Welcome to episode 222 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, our first one for 2022, we preview the 2022 NRL season. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 222 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I am your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, we are back. It's 2022. Are you pumped? I am pumped. Uh, I'm raring to go. And yeah, another great season of NRL, you, you got to say, like, everybody's been talking about how long the offseason has been, and it does feel like it's been a long time. I just can't wait for the footy to get uh, back uh, back on track and, you know, and, and playing in New South Wales again. It's going to be fantastic. Have it yourself, Dr. T. Oh, look, it's all uh, – the stars are aligning. The planets are aligning, my friend. It's episode 222. It's the year 2022. Uh, what else happened with two? We, it's two years post-COVID uh, since the start of COVID. So, you know, look, everything's two this year. We've got two – no, we don't have two hours of uh, – no, we've <laughs> we, we, let's, uh, let, let's keep it within two hours, please. Uh, look, we've got lots, lots coming up today. We've got uh, our special first episode that we traditionally do every year is our Rugby League Republic Crystal Ball for the season, this is where we uh, we we dust off the crystal ball. We look into the future and we try to predict uh, what what happens, what's going to happen in 2022. Um, and we've done this for several years now. And what we do is, at the end of the year, we uh, we look back at our predictions and see how good our crystal balls were. But look, before we begin, I must say that this week. We're coming to you from uh, it's International Women's Day uh, that happened a few days ago. And so we're going to dedicate this episode to all the wonderful women who have contributed and continue to contribute to making this the greatest game of all. That's volunteers, administrators, referees, players, absolutely everyone. Thank you to all the women uh, out there in the world of rugby league, in the universe of rugby league for everything you do. Uh, and obviously, uh, in keeping with the two theme, we have a very strong uh, women's uh, NRL this year that's already begun. Mm. And so, so you know, no longer are we just talking about NRL as the men's game. We now are factoring in the women's game as well. So, yeah, um, this is a, a real, you know, like we've evolved so much in the last few years in the game. And it's just so brilliant to see. So, look... That's just something I thought I'd, I'd draw your attention to on this uh, International Women's Day slash week um, that we are going to dedicate this episode to a very special cause. And uh, it is just about recognising the contribution of women, uh, in this case, in the game of rugby league. So, Tish, are you ready to dust off the crystal ball yeah. and get into predicting? What do you reckon? Shall we jump in? Yeah, let's just jump straight into it. Let's do it. 
All right. So uh, the first thing, uh, first prediction is predicting our top eight. Now, what we've done uh, in the past, what we'll continue to do is we're going to, at the end of the year, we'll get one point each for each correct team. Uh, and look, traditionally, we let me be brutally honest, Tish, we have been pretty uh, terrible <laughs> at predicting the top eight. Uh, I think although a few years ago, I think we got uh, the majority correct. But I think what we'll find is, uh, you know, we're going to have a few differences of opinion that mm. I'd love to sort of dive into yep. and see what you think. Um, now, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Look, uh, Dr. T, uh, I would love to go first because I have a very, uh, you know, I'll just um, say, so is it okay if I go first? I'll just, I'll just. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. please. All right. Look, this year, look, look, my entire years, they've been struggling for 12 years uh, now since we've made it to the grand final, well, to, <laughs> to the finals, maybe, maybe 11, you know, it's, 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 it's getting up in age where you're trying to figure out how long it's been. So I've been trying to find every way to justify it. So what I went and did is I looked at every team's roster Pick their best seventeen and did a five, four, three, two, one um, on each player. So, um, and not every category category got five, four, three, two, one. Um, so, so from that point of view, it was, uh, uh, yeah, it just made things a bit uneven. But I got there in the end, and the, what I've come up with, um, based on all of that, is the Panthers, the Roosters, the Sea Eagles, the Storm, Eels. Sharks, Dragons, and the Rabbitohs. Um, now, not in that order, by the way. It was just the way I had done it. Uh, so, yeah, but I probably um, – but that top four uh, could either see the Eels or the Rabbitohs go in. I think the Dragons and the Storm – oh, sorry. The Dragons and the Sharks will be seven and eight, um, but the top six can be can be any of that. Of that. Um, a couple of things I uh, experimented on, which uh, I want to get your thoughts on this, Dr. T. Um, I – now believe that the spine is actually incorrect. Um, most people think the spine is one, six, seven, nine. That's the common belief, but I'm going to dispute that because I believe it's actually one, six, seven, nine, and thirteen. So I'm actually including the lock forward in there too. And then when you do oh, that, wow. you realize last year's top eight, or last year's top seven, included the top seven fullbacks. <laughs> it included the top seven locks and uh you know and 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 you know i think the five eighths and all that was a bit disputable just because there were a few of the small like you know you had other teams like um you know the halfbacks and stuff like that you know a lot of people rated um you know certain players outside like sean johnson for example um you know he's rated a pretty good halfback or five eighth um so yeah so the six and seven didn't uh translate but the 13 and the fullbacks um, were the top like the top eight were made up of those players. So that's um, yeah. So that's my thoughts. How about yourself, there, Doctor Z? Well, look, Tish. I look. You've already got off to a scientific start for the year. Yeah. You've really applied yourself really well. Look, I got to say, look, locks. Uh, look, let's just call it for what it is. Lock forwards are like the fullbacks of the forwards, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, really, yeah, yeah. if you were to number them from one to seven, and then you know, it's usually, well, it used to be that the lock forwards were eight, mm. number eight, but then they decided to muck around with the numbering system. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but but it used to be, yeah, that that, that was the case so that now, now the prop is number eight. But um, 
look, that's a good, it's an interesting thing. So you basically have identified that there is a direct correlation between the teams that made the top seven and uh, having one of the top seven players in either a lock or um, fullback position. Yeah. So basically, if you had a lock forward that wasn't considered a top seven lock forward, according to, to Tish, of course, <laughs> then... <laughs> So this is the very this is the asterisk this is a scientific experiment here that this is according to you uh, but you did it in an unbiased way without Tried any preconceived it. notions and then you have identified so look look Tish I applaud your um, you know Sheldon Cooper from Big Bang Theory uh, type approach to this uh, trying to be very scientific. I on the other hand Tish uh, did not do that <laughs> this this year. <laughs> Uh, but I think you'll find that we ended up pretty much the same way. So yeah. I went on total gut instinct. And uh, look, if I'm being honest, I, I looked at the players uh, and their their images on the NRL.com. You can look at teams and go through each team. And look, based on uh, based on how dumb how dumb they look. No, no, I, <laughs> no, no, no. Look, ba- based on some of the big names that I saw, some of the former players that are trying to reach their former glory, you know, I made it an instinctive call. I looked at that team and I thought, is this a team that's that's going to be on the up this year or are they on, on the downhill? Uh, so, look, on that basis, and, and you know, there, there is a couple of – there is one extremely controversial uh, decision I made and we'll, we'll talk about that. So, here are my top eight for the year. So, there, I've got Eels – Panthers, Rabbitohs, and Storm uh, in the top four. And then I've got Sharks, Dragons, Seagulls, and Broncos rounding up rounding up the eight. Now, that's probably a bit controversial because obviously last year the Broncos uh, were nowhere near the top. Uh, but, but I get the feeling that with Adam Reynolds there that they're going to turn it around. And uh, I, I just get a good feeling about them. Now, what you'll notice, Tish, is that I dropped the Roosters off my top eight predictions. Yeah. And I have no legitimate reason for mm. it, except I think that they uh, they didn't necessarily show me, I think, last year that they've got the potential to uh, improve on what happened last year. Um, and if anything, I thought, um, you know, there's, if you look at the players, I mean, the players, they've got some very strong players. They've got, you know, Manu, Tedesco, you know, these, these are players that are going to feature in end of year awards, no doubt. But I just got the feeling when you're looking at, so for example, in, if you look at the halves, Kiri and Sam Walker, Mm. um, you know, gun players, Sam Walker, you know, fair to say uh, almost like rookie of the year kind of performances last year. Um, but as we all know, what happens when rookies go into their second year, they they have a little bit of a form slump. Yeah. Players start to get used to them. They know what, what to expect. Uh, you know, I looked at that and I thought, I don't know if this halves combination is that impressive. Um, also, if you look at... Walker, Kiri, and the backup 5'8 to Kiri, Lachlan Lamb. Um, these are really small players. <laughs> and and they've got kind of, oh, I don't know, you know, we talk about X Factor 
and an organizing halfback, that kind of thing. We don't really have that kind of, I, I don't see that kind of combination happening here for the Roosters. So, look, it's a bit controversial. I'm tipping mm. the Roosters to miss the top eight. Um, let's not forget that there wasn't much in uh, in it in terms of, uh, you know, points between being in the top, say, top six and being outside of the eight altogether. So it's possible that, you know, all they need to do is drop a few games and then my wacky prediction will end up looking like a genius prediction. Yeah. So there you go. That's my controversial thing. Sharks and Dragons, I agree. Sharks are uh, almost certainly for the top eight. Dragons is probably a controversial one. And I think if I look at the players that they've recruited, they've got some very strong players. Admittedly, some of them are kind of, uh, you know, they, they've seen probably their prime years behind them. But if you're looking at players like George Burgess, I mean, they're going to make a huge difference to the Dragons this year. And, uh, yeah, so I think I think they're going to sneak in. Um, Tish, what do you think about my dropping of the Roosters? Yeah, well, look, um, I'm, look I'm not a big fan of the Roosters, so I, I, I'm always reluctant. <laughs> I always want to see them out. But, um, you know... They have, like, their their spine is is very strong when you consider Victor Radley, Tedesco, uh, Walker, uh, you know, um, Cleary, uh, what's it, uh, Carey, I Luke should Cleary, say. Yeah, Cleary, and Sam Verrill. So um, you got to remember Carey and Verrills and Tedesco have all won, well, actually, and Radley, actually, four of the five have been, have won tw- two grand finals. Carey has won three. <laughs> Okay, so they've got the experience to get there. And I think they've also got the right coach that could, um, I suppose, rotate his roster around to get them there. Um, you've got to remember last year, they were missing Kiri for most of the season, uh, Radley most of the season, and then uh, Verrills, I think, was out for pretty much most of the season too. And uh, with their second string lineup of players, they still um, challenged for a top four and got themselves into the finals. So the fact that they've got Kiri back, um, and they've got a good system, and they've got really good management. I, I don't think I think the dynasty will continue unless something uh, tragic happens. Um, yeah, and look uh, with the dragons, I don't actually feel it's that uh, controversial when you think you know Ben Hunt's like an experienced player. He has the team. Um, you know they've got um, you know they've got some good plays in good uh, positions, and you know the the only thing that um, put it this way: if the dragons were vegan last year, they would have made it. Right, but it was that barbecue. They did not win a game after the barbecue, right? <laughs> so, well, the the offending barbecue master is now playing for the Bulldogs. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, exactly. So, 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 so sometimes it's not necessarily about the players that you that come to your club. It's kind of sometimes has to do with the players that actually <laughs> leave your club. Sometimes, right? Um, that determines your success. So, so look, I think. I think I think the the Titans are there. Look, the Sharks. Everybody's rating the Sharks, and I and I do too. Um, but you know, uh, it, it is also. I don't know if they're dead certainties either. I, I've got to say, but uh, but they still score well in 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 the system. So um, yeah, but it's going to be a very interesting season. I think this season is actually a bit closer than last year um, because you know you, you know we've left out teams like um, the Raiders, for example. Um, you've got the Broncos in there. Um, I didn't, but I know that they recognize that they're going to be stronger. Um, you know, the Knights and the Titans both made it last year. Um, you know, the Knights have gone, you know, they've lost a few key players, but a lot of people believe that the Titans have not. So that's also quite interesting too. So 
when you look at it like that is you know it's it's i think it will be a genuine um yeah there is there is uh you know four or five teams that you feel like are just going to be there but i think um i think there is it there's not a must it's not as um it's not as pronounced the difference between like you know sort of the top five and then the rest of them. I think they've, I think the gap has 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 shrunk in a little bit just with all the different changes. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to the next one. So you know, honing in a little bit more on the grand finalists and the ultimate winner of the NRL this year. Look, I'm gonna uh, stick with my virtual <laughs> tradition. Every year, I tip the eels to win. And uh, this time, I know for sure, Tish, that they will. I'm predicting them to win, and I'm predicting them to beat the defending Premier's Panthers in the grand final. It'll be a battle for the West. Um, So that's my prediction for the year. Tish, what about you? Yeah. Well, look, I'm so bullish on the Roosters, I actually said they're making it to the grand final. <laughs> and I see them uh, actually uh, playing the Parramatta Eels, and like you, I am also predicting an Eels win. Um, and just off the wow. back of last year, look, I mean, for me, it's like this: uh, as a non-Eels supporter, um, you know, they they beat the Premiers last year um, in the first week of the Grand uh, Final Series, I believe, and then. When they played them again, I, look, I could be yeah, now. I'm getting a bit lost, but well, they, they beat them earlier in the season. I think they beat but them then, earlier yeah, in the season. They, yeah, not when it counted, though. I think yeah, not when it counted. But they should have won that game too. There was uh, a few controversial calls towards the end, right? Um, I do recall that, and um, and I think that is going to. Um, I think once they make it to the finals, um, they just got to get there, and I think they will get there. Like I think that's that's no problem. Once the top eight starts, I think they're a bit better prepared than what they were last year, and I think they have uh, a certain belief and confidence in them that they can actually do it because, um, you know, they've shown um, that they're great. Like they're semi-final regulars now, you know, so. I don't think it'll take much for them to get to the next uh, level. So I think that's after, you know, it's been a long wait for Parramatta supporters, um, but I think it's finally here. Like, I think, I believe this could be the season for them. The best thing about the Eels is I haven't heard anything about them in the off season. That's probably a good thing, right? Because it probably means while everybody else has had controversy and this and that, I think the Eels themselves have been able to galvanize themselves. How about yourself, Dr. T? Yeah, look, I agree. I think I think a lot of it has to do with the experience that they've gained. You know, they, they didn't. You know, they've had plenty of uh, going out in straight sets in semifinals and and all that kind of stuff. I think they've learned a lot uh, from that. But but I guess what you're saying is right. I think the experience of you know players like Clint Gutherson. I think last year there was a time when they really looked unbeatable as well and. And and then they just let the Panthers and the Storm kind of slip away, um, but towards the end of the season, you got the feeling that they, but for some key decisions, but for some silly plays, they could have been there on Grand Final day. And I don't think it's been, uh, well, it hasn't been. It's been at least a decade or more since uh, an Eels fan could say that hand on heart that they look like they were, you know, within striking distance of a grand final. And I think if you look at, um, you know, it's not that they've they've recruited much better. In fact, if anything, they've lost some players. But 
it they just still look strong. They've got their key players there. The players that um you know that that were there before uh, have a year experience behind them. Um, and I just sort of think that the key players I'm looking, and I'll talk later, but I'm looking to see players like Junior Paulo stepping up in a leadership role, but also in particular uh, Mitchell Moses. I think uh, a lot of our success relies on him, and I think it's a confidence game with him, and I think as time goes on, he's getting more and more confident um, at, at the pointy end of the season. So I think that's why I'm tipping, genuinely tipping them as winners. But, uh, you know, this is why it's a crystal ball. Could be wrong. Uh, but there you go. All right, let's move on to uh, the halftime, predicting the halftime entertainment at the NRL Grand Final. So, look, you know, we, we obviously hit on the big topics here. Uh, um, look, Tish, I have gone with uh, local legends, Jess Mowboy, Jessica Mowboy and Guy Sebastian, a reunion of the voice. Oh, no, what was it called? Australian Idol. Mm. The Australian Idol contestants from year one. Tish, yeah. have you gone for an Aussie combo or an international combination? Yeah, look, I've gone in, in a World Cup year. I think you need to have World Cup talent, um, if I could say that, uh, particularly when it comes to the NRL Grand Final. The show kit, the showpiece of the year, um, you know, the, uh, you know, the battle of the immortals, the, you know, the, the, you know, the stage, the gladiator stage and who better top it off there, the, uh, Ariella Grande and Ed Sheeran. Um, I just, <laughs> um, I've gone for the two most popular, uh, artists in the world. And I want the, I want the NRL checkbook to, uh, I want, I want, I want to, I want to, I want to get the checkbook out and get these two, two, Big, big names, you know. Um, I think last year, I think everybody agreed was disappointing. Um, most best people didn't know who they were. I, I can't even remember who they were. Um, I think it was all COVID affected. We were lockdown affected. Yeah, so so so, so it's understandable. Uh, but yeah. I think this year, you know, uh, travel restrictions are over. Um, you know, uh, so so as long as things go well, <laughs> like, which we don't know. There's no more like. variants. No more variants of COVID. Yeah, no more variants. I think I think we should go big. Um, so so that's why I'm going there. But um, but yours is probably based on reality. I think mine's more visionary. <laughs> I think that's the way we're looking at it, right? Yeah. Look, absolutely. And look, it's uh, let's see how we go. But um, anyway, one point for the winner there. Let's see how we go. This uh, this is absolutely based on no logic whatsoever which uh, ironically is how the NRL bases its decisions on halftime entertainment. So there you go. No logic there. Predicting the state of origin winner and series result. And look, uh, this, uh, I think it's fair to say that we, we've seen New South Wales kind of uh, on the cusp of a, a new dynasty. In my mind, I think they're going to continue. It's not going to be a clean sweep, but I'm thinking that New South Wales will win to one and I think it'll be the same as uh, last year. We're going to win the first two games and then soften up for the third one and uh, and and uh, miss the opportunity for a clean sweep. But that's my view. I think uh, the dynasty continues for New South Wales is basically where I'm predicting and it's just based on facts. I think it's very clear that uh, if you look at the the best players in the game, they've uh, you know the players that are most likely to vie for Australian kangaroo spots. It is most likely to be uh, Blues players at this point. 
Um, although if you are Daily Cherry Evans and Mal Meninga, you might have something to say about Nathan Cleary. But anyway, that's mm. a different thing. We'll talk about that another time. But, yeah, um, I still predict New South Wales to win, uh, as I said, 2-1. What about you, Tish? Yeah, look, I am going for the 3 nil New South Wales sweep. Um, wow. And, uh, look, I, I think the, you know, if you look at all the players that are performing well, I feel like there is more momentum around the New South Wales camp than uh, the Queensland camp. Um, and, you know, last year there were some really big blowouts. Um, you know, the first game was an absolute blowout and that was uh, played in the heart of Queensland, right? So this year we're going to have more home games for the New South Welshman. And I think that the team itself wanted to win 3-0. They weren't able to do it. And I just feel a bit like the Eels. I think they're going to be extra motivated this year for a clean sweep. I think it's one of the things New South Wales probably... Um, it's it's kind of the final frontier for Brad Fittler's, um, you know, New South Wales coaching journey. And, you know, he's, I believe he's going to be a coach for a long time, but it's going to be interesting how they sort of, uh, yeah, handle that. So, yeah. All right. Now, the next one is predicting uh, the biggest rugby league news story of the year. And... I've uh, well. Let, let me start with you this time. Uh, what is what is your prediction for the biggest new news story of the year in rugby league? Okay, look, I've gone um, in con- consistency with the actual, uh, you know, with my grand final prediction. I believe there will be no bigger story than the Parramatta Eels winning the grand final. Um, you know, since nineteen eighty six. There's lots of eels. I don't think there's a player in their current lineup that's been that was actually born um, the last time the eels have won. So that shows you how long it's been. But I think that if if the eels could do it this year, it, I, I believe that will be the story of all stories. So I'm going to go with that. Um, can you top that, Doctor T? Uh, look, as much as I'd love that to be the top story of the year, Tish, <laughs> I think uh, you know I I can see it. I can see rugby league producing. An even better fairy tale story. So I'm predicting. So hope you're holding on to your seat because I'm predicting a World Cup boil over. I'm predicting that Tonga, yes, Tonga, yep, will win the World Cup, and it's based on well past performances, recent mm. performances where they've they actually have defeated Australia. Long considered. The, the you know the 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 benchmark in world uh, international rugby league but not just that we've also seen you know since we last uh, did a podcast last late last year we've seen Tonga be devastated with a uh, you know an earthquake and, and and all that's and tidal you know tsunamis and things like that and so they have been devastated by natural disasters um, and, you know, I personally think that's going to motivate mm. the players so much more. And as if they need any more passion to play for their yeah. for their motherland and their country, I think it's going to unite them in a way that we've never seen before. And I think it'll be, it will lead them, spur them on, uh, you know, the support that they'll get from fans. Mm. Uh, it'll spur them on to a, an epic victory 
the likes that we've never seen. And I think if if look, just to have one of the South Pacific island nations win a World Cup in a an a multi billion dollar international sport, yeah, um, you know, it's gonna make such a difference to uh the, the the way that we're trying to evolve our game and and our battle against rugby union and all mm. that kind of stuff i think uh it it will be the biggest news story not just of this year of the decade wow um, and then we're only two years into it but i guarantee you it will be mammoth and i'm predicting that this will happen this year later this year in the uk for uh, the world cup uh the rugby league world cup so that's my prediction, Tish. I know you might think I'm a bit off my rocker, but um, I love it. I'd love you know, to see it. I'd love to see it. This is great. Wouldn't you? That would be awesome. I mean, mm. it's part of the, it's partly a wish list as well, like a mm. you know. But anyway, uh, it's great to yeah, see Ed Sheeran singing the anthem as well. Oh, look, absolutely! <laughs> Wouldn't that be the the Tongan national anthem by Ed Sheeran? That would be something. <laughs> that would be something. But anyway, <laughs> all right. So look. Um, Look, that, as scandalous as that sounds, um, what we the next topic is predict the biggest rugby league scandal of the year. So for one point, um, I'm going to ask for your prediction, but I'll throw in my one first. So I'm thinking yeah. that, um, and we've seen evidence of this brewing <laughs> just this week, mm. and I'm thinking it's going to rear its ugly head that there's going to be a social media scandal at the Canberra Raiders involving Ricky Stewart and one of the wives or girlfriends of the Raiders players. Now, we've already seen two separate occasions, at least that we know of or that I know of, of Raiders players, wives or girlfriends that have taken to social media and posted sarcastic comments about uh, basically casting aspersions about you know the uh, the fairness or intelligence or or just even whinging about um, the Canberra coaching or Canberra coach in particular. Um, you know, and you can argue whether those complaints were legitimate or valid or not. But in the end of the day, what I'm suggesting is that the scandal will involve the fact that it will be an unprecedented, uh, you know a very awkward situation where one of the wives or girlfriends says something in social media and Ricky Stewart will be forced to to do something about it he may he may lead him to be uh to to have some sort of retribution against the player in question uh you know maybe he might bench a player or just uh whinge about him in public or whatever it's just going to cause a scandal, is what I'm mm. going to say, and it's all going to be due to some um, uh, loose words on uh, on Twitter or, or Facebook or whatever. So that's my prediction. Uh, it'll be it's a social media mm. related one. Tish, what about you? What are you predicting as a scandal of the year? Yeah, well, look, um, shocking and scandalous as it is, you know, the uh, ambassador for International Women's Day of Canberra Raiders, Ricky Stewart, being involved in some social media scandals that's crazy <laughs> but look i think i think i think you know this you know in the in the world of 2022 um you know we've got threats coming left right and center obviously just the world is not what it was even just two years ago so 
um, you know, and with this increase of like activity out there, uh, I believe that the NRL, unfortunately, this year is going to suffer a cyber hack, and uh, and this hack will cause the end of the NRL bunker. That's right. So the uh, you know something will happen. The bunker is on a crucial call, um, and then it just gets hacked. Um, some say that it's already been hacked because, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> like the rockets usually gets made all that time. So, uh, you know, so so there might be an issue around verification, try no try, all that sort of stuff. But I think eventually, I think the I think I think the cyber the cyber hack. I, th- I think the NRL is already on their radar. Uh, the cyber uh, criminals out there. And I think they're, uh, you know, I think they just want to, um, you know, imagine this, like, I'm I, I just putting it out there, Dr. T, like, as much as, like, you know, we're trying to be fun and stuff like this, right? You know, if you are a mafia don and you know how to use a computer, right, and you've got big money on a game, right, and it comes down to a ref's call and it goes to the bunker, if you got the means, man, you're going to try and hack this thing, aren't you? Well, would you? I don't know. I feel like it's something. I mean, I mean, isn't it isn't it as simple as uh, someone saying, "Oh no, I pressed the wrong button," and then just making a call to the referee on the field and like, "Sorry, what we meant to say was no try." You know, like mm. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's other there's other alternate technologies uh, that could, uh, you know, but I, I like, I like your thoughts. I mean, look, there's other ways you can hack the bunker, which is you can actually get the bunker to like someone with a voice to sort of go, uh, they're offside, give them a penalty, you know, th- that kind of thing. Uh, not just the big calls. It can be just the simple things and, and no one will be able to sort of, uh, notice where it's notice coming from. So yeah, yeah, it's a very technology focused, uh, you know, scandal. Um, I like it. I like it. Could work. Could yeah. happen. I hope not, but it could happen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Look, scandals often involve coaches, and one of the predictions that we've been trying to get right is who is going to be the first NRL coach to be sacked during the year, and we get a bonus point, and, and that's virtually every year there's at least one, right? So mm-hmm. there's, it's virtually guaranteed that there's going to be at least one sacking of a coach during the course of the season. So we also have a bonus point on offer for predicting when he will be sacked, what round. So I've gone for the embattled Todd Payton from the Cowboys uh, who looked like he was going to get sacked last year. <laughs> but anyway, um, and I'm thinking I'm thinking round 13 is when we'll see him get sacked. And, and the reason for that is I think generally, uh, you know, I think generally there's the, the clubs, uh, the boards, et cetera, are going to be more forgiving of, uh, of early season kind of issues, performance issues. Um, in this day and age, I think uh, with all the disruption that the teams and players have had in the last couple of years, I think uh, they might give some of the coaches a little bit more time to settle in. But I think what we'll see is that the Cowboys will struggle this year. That's my prediction. I think Todd Payton won't really have an answer. We saw him last year struggle with answers. 
and uh, and it just looked like it wasn't. Uh, so I just get I get this feeling that he will uh, not do himself any favors in say the post post match press conferences, and I think uh, I think he may end up on the outer in the middle of the season. So round thirteen for mine. Tish, what about you? Are you predicting any uh, NRL coach to be sacked? And if so, when? Yeah, look, I am definitely predicting coaches to be sacked. Um, It's just a matter of time as to the next coach (laughs) in waiting has got their resume ready, all right? And I believe that that's uh, Kyle Flanagan's father. Um, (laughs) I just, I know he's a premiership winner. Um, uh, Is it Shane? Shane Flanagan, right? Yeah, so yeah. I, I think Shane Flanagan's ready, right? And uh, speaking of Kyle Flanagan, he's playing for the Bulldogs. He's very unhappy at the Bulldogs himself, right? And um, and part of the unhappiness, I believe, is is probably some sort of issue that he has with Trent Barrett. So I believe that Trent Barrett will be the first one sacked. Uh, last year, they were the wooden spooners, the Bulldogs. Prior to that, Trent Barrett's previous head coaching role was at the Manly Seagulls, where he came 15th. So 15th and 16th is his, is his last two records, right? And then I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, they've got new management. They've got Phil Gould. Yeah, Phil Gould will, will surely back whatever coach there is to the hill. But then I remember about uh, Anthony Griffin, who was in the top four when he got sacked, right? <laughs> With a month to go before the finals. So uh, I don't think the patience is going to be there. Um, and uh, look, uh, yes, yeah, so I think, and I'm, and I'm just, I'm being cute with round six because that was, you know, the five eighth. That was a position Trent Barrett played. So I feel like he's going to get maybe six rounds, um, but I believe that that's probably all he's going to get. Um, and then, and then, and then, I think that they will probably appoint Shane Flanagan because I do recall um, Phil Gould talking about how great of a coach he is, um, and the fact that um, Trent is reluctant to put the son in. Then you you put in uh, you put in the father right. Um, I think that's the first thing. There are eight <laughs> there, there there are eight debutants for the Bulldogs this 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 round, Doctor T. Um, and apparently, some of the new recruits were sort of complaining a little bit about the lack of um, I suppose uh, intensity at training, um, the lack of the drills. Like you know, the drills weren't really that great. And uh, they even posted there was some sort of suggestion that other teams use drones and drone footage, um, but the Bulldogs don't have a drone. And then obviously Phil Gould then tweeted something about a drone. So there's a drone scandal already happening at the Bulldogs. So I just wow. feel like it's very, it's very bad. With Todd, yeah, I, look, I, I do, I do see it with Todd, like you know, but um, yeah, his time. You know, we might both be right. That's the thing. <laughs> right, there's very can you, can you imagine? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I highly doubt it, but you know, good yeah. on you for your confidence. Uh, yeah, there, I'm not yeah. so confident in my predictive ability or our predictive ability on this one, but there you go. I mean, look, yeah, I, look, you're saying what you're saying about the Bulldogs is very convincing, I must say. Mm. Um, but as I said, I've I, I just sort of get the feeling that him look, Trent Barrett may well get it together. I think with someone like if I'm countering your argument. With someone like Gould there, I think potentially could guide Trent Barrett as a coach a lot more than than you realise. And so I think, um, you know, before the sacking comes, Phil Gould wanting to, uh, uh, I guess, uh, you know, 
show that he's got mentoring capability, if you know what I mean. So I think he wants to maybe show that they've, they'll stick with him and do what they can. And they're in the rebuilding phase anyway. So I think he's, he's more than happy to let that slide. So I really don't think he'll be sucked in the first six weeks. I think it'll, it'll if he does, it'll take a lot longer than that. But I think they won't do too, ba- too badly this year. Uh, that's the other thing. They've recruited well. They've got Gould behind them. There's a lot of positives there at the Bulldogs. So, anyway, it remains to be seen. But, look, um, the next topic is predicting the biggest NRL rising star. Now, usually this is about, you know, debut players or, you know, rookies. But there's always – we could always sort of put in a player that we just see goes from, you know – okay shows potential to absolute superstardom so we've got the ability to say you know this is a rising star that um has just rocketed up in the space of a year even though they've been playing for a couple of years so tish along those lines i'm tipping nico hines from uh the sharks uh who has moved across from the storm you know made a bit of a splash last year but i think this year he's gonna um He's going to blow them away. I think he's going to fight for a position in state of origin potentially. Um, he's going to, yeah. I think that out of all the players I've seen that are uh, knocking on the door of uh, representative football, I think he's one of the, those players that he'll he'll show some very strong uh, performances this year. Um, so, yeah, that's my prediction for biggest NRL rising star. No real logical reason. This is really purely based on what I saw last year and and how I think he's got a lot more potential to go. So, Tish, what about you? Who do you pick as the rising star of the year? Yeah, well, look, I've gone for the Dragons' um, new fullback, Ty- Tyrell Sloan. Um, now, Tyrell is like – apparently – Everybody's been talking about how great he is. Um, they're saying that he's the best local junior since um, Gaznia, right? Which is actually a huge rap, right? Um, wow. If you think about the stature of that. So so I think Tyrell Sloan, I think the uh, raps are on him a big... You know, um, they have another young player, Cody Ramsey, who debuted last year and actually performed really well. Um, but they've moved him out to the wing to get this player in. So I think he's got to have some sort of talent. So... Uh, you know, hopefully no injuries to this young guy, but I have a feeling that if he does get the time in minutes and if the Dragons do see the, uh, you know, our predictions are not the best, but if the Dragons are predicted to do well, they do well. Um, I think Tyrell Sloan will be a star and I think that would be uh, an interesting one. So, yeah, so Tyrell, I think for me on that one. No worries. All right, so... um... Let's go on to the next topic, which is the uh, Renaissance Player of the Year. So, you know, Rising Star is someone who's never really reached the heights and is going to rock it up in terms of performances and stature. But the Renaissance Player of the Year is really about a player who is trying to recapture prior glory, who's uh, fallen down on the way, you know, maybe there's expectations that their, their, their peak is behind them. And then all of a sudden has a bit of a renaissance, uh, a rebirth, so to speak. Mm. And so these are players that either are close to retirement or, um, you know, or or just something has happened. They might have been affected by injuries in previous years. And so this has been a really fascinating one for us in the last few years. Um, We haven't really hit the mark 
on any of our predictions. Um, last year, I tipped Benji Marshall, and he kind of he kind of uh, was, you know, very important in the South uh, South's campaign, but not quite uh, the not quite the uh, the player that could have led them to a grand final victory. James Roberts was your tip last year. Uh, didn't quite hit the heights. Mm. This year, I am tipping Jack Bird from the Dragons. Now, you'll remember a few years ago, it, Jack Bird was all the rage. He was mm. he was even put in at 5'8 at one point during one of those years where New South Wales wasn't really competing in, in Queensland, in uh, the state of origin. And there's been a lot of talk and, and expectation and promise that he has shown. And I think... You know, he's been affected by injuries, he's been palmed off to different teams, but now he's at the Dragons, and now I think with some of the other players around him, I think the Dragons star is generally on the up this year. I think Jack Bird's going to play a really major role in this, and he'll find a lot of consistency, and he'll be a surprise to a lot of people. So I'm expecting him to do great things for them and be my Renaissance Player of the Year. What about you, Tish? Yeah, well, look, um, this is... Uh this is a good category I feel because it is, we are talking about players who had some sort of success or some sort of talent put on them, but just whatever it was, they fell away to the wayside. And, you know, I, I heard a story about Jackson Hastings, the new Tigers recruit, um, you know, and I do believe he's the Renaissance player when he started off at the Roosters. Um, and then he went across to Manly. Everybody talked about such a talented kid, a second generation kid. He's got so much potential and, and all that kind of stuff, but you know, he wasn't in the right headspace. He just, you know, didn't really have the, I suppose, the emotional capacity to handle NRL football. You know, he's gone away to England, you know, so he's been in the rugby league wilderness, right? Um, for for a few years now, and he's been the best player over there. And not just that, he, um, yeah, he's talked about counselling. He's talked about all the different um, battles that he has sort of won and what he's trying to do to be that sort of player. And now he's back in the NRL and he's got the opportunity with the West Tigers. And I feel like he's going to prove himself this year to be, um, you know, an outstanding talent, but not just an outstanding talent, but I think a real leader um, because I think he, 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 um, you know, I, th- I think I think the experiences that he's ha- that he's gone through, if he could put those performances on the park, I think a lot of players could look up to him, and I think it could be a real, um, um, not just at the Tigers, maybe for some other clubs, a real inspiration for some of these other players who might. Um, you know, I think it's very hard to be a young and a real player these days. You kind of feel like you're, you're uh, you know, a big superstar all of a sudden on, on big money. Like some of these players are getting paid. Uh, enormous amounts of money before they even play their first NRL game. So I think a guy like that, and Jackson was kind of like a similar sort of way. So I feel like him uh, coming back and doing well, I think it's just going to be great for rugby league. So I'm, I'm saying Renaissance uh, player of the year, I think Jackson Hastings, I think he's got the potential. I think he'll do it. And it'll be great to see both these players have an outstanding season. Absolutely. Look, and Two more categories to go. We've got uh, the biggest, or what have we got? The big, the NRL Hero of the Year. Is that uh, what is the official title of this one? Uh, let me just have a quick look. The biggest NRL Hero of the Year, we call it. Uh, for one point, who is going to be the Hero of the Year? And look, this ties into my prediction for uh, the, an Eels Premiership this year. And I did say that, Look, I know we've got lots of players that we could we could pick as uh, the keys to this uh, victory, 
in my mind, uh, it all boils down to the halfback, uh, halfback or five-eighth, whatever role that he gets to play. It's Mitchell Moses. I think he will end up being uh, touted as the saviour of the Eels. Um, you know, there used to be talk, obviously, since 86, the last victory, who's going to be the next Peter Sterling? Who's going to be the next Peter Sterling? And I think this year we finally will see Mitchell Moses mm. take up that mantle and no longer will we be talking about who's going to be the next Peter Sterling. Hopefully we'll be talking about, you know, who's going to be the next kid that's going to be uh, emulate Mitchell Moses. Um, and I think uh, this is the year for him to step up and I think he'll do it. And uh, more so than other Eels players, I think he will be seen as as the key player. And uh, and I think the reason why they haven't hit the heights is because he hasn't hit his heights. And and I think he'll do that this year. I just I just feel like things are going to align. He's learned so much from last year. His performances towards the end of the year look like he was, you know, just about ready to make that next step to take that next step. And I think he'll do it this year. So yeah, Mitchell Moses is going to be the hero for for mine. Um, what about you, Tish? What do you think? Well, look, I think it's a good choice. And I've also gone with Parramatta, uh, considering that I do believe they're going to win the grand final. So when I think about grand final heroes, I think about, um, you know, playing with a broken jaw, right? I think about, you know, making a last, you know, effort tackle, right, um, to save a try. I think about even if, you know, a few years ago, Jack Bird himself, right, you know, like setting up the final play, right? So when I think about all those different sort of scenarios, I think there's one player time in, time out, who's already proven himself to be a hero, um, can, you know, that can help lift the team and turn around the team. I think he's been doing consistently, and I think he's going to be able to do it in the grander stage in probably what more than likely would be the very, you know, once or twice he'll ever get that chance to do that. And I think that's going to be King Clint Gutherson. I think. Gutho, if there's anybody that will stand up and be a hero, I think it's Gutherson. And I think that Gutherson, um, you know, uh, you know, he may not necessarily like be rated as like the most talented fullback out there, um, but I put him at number one when it comes to absolute effort, right? Because um, there isn't a game where you don't see him put a lot of effort in. You know, I still remember, uh, you know, uh, a couple of origins ago where he got his you know, very few chances and he was in the squad and he was a team, he was the only guy really trying to lift the team when New South Wales were down. And I think that that type of quality is what is a true hero is about. And then so I think he's just going to come to the forefront. So King Gutherson for me. Um, so there you go, Dr. T. Well, you, look, you make a convincing case. And as you were saying that, Tish, I do remember a couple of years ago when we were down and out uh, in in a blues uh, blues game and uh, origin game, and he was you're right. He was a player that was clapping everyone on. You know, we can do it. Let's turn it around. Focus, focus, focus. That kind of thing. He does that week in week out for the for the Eels, and you can tell when uh, when when he when he doesn't do that. That uh, when he's not doing that, it's it's very likely that the Eels have a poor attitude and, and not don't look motivated. So I think, I think you're right that he is a very important part of the Eel squad. I just sort of think the reason why I've gone for Moses is because I genuinely think that, that the, and part of the reason why I think we've seen him struggle with confidence 
is that I think he recognises that it all boils down to his performances. Um, Gutho has been 100% for several years, and the Eels have not taken that extra step. They need Mitchell Moses to take that extra step at the same time as Gutho does his thing. And uh, without them too, um, I don't think they'll be there at the end of in the final dance. So, uh, yeah, but very convincing. I agree with you, Tish. Look, Gutho, Mitchell Moses, uh, if anything, they need to be combined heroes of the year. I mean, they need to come together for the Eels to do anything. And I know this is sounding like too much of an Eels love fest, people, <laughs> but it's, uh, <laughs> as I said, it. This is all about predictions. I can't look. I can't go against my crystal ball. It's what it's telling me. It's telling me what's happening in the future. I have to go with it. Uh, nothing I can do about it. But look, our final category is, uh, you know, this. Look, usually we we like to end on a high, but this time we're ending on a villain. Predicting the biggest NRL villain of the year, and look. I think I'll go first, Tish, because my one is uh, is is almost as predictable. Uh, you know, in years gone by, I have stuck with a Queenslander <laughs> to be my villain of the year. Uh, two years ago, I I stopped going for Cam Smith as villain of the year, and and switched to Cameron Munster, uh, which I think he kind of did sort of come through for me a couple of years ago. But this year, I'm going for someone a bit unexpected as a Queenslander, someone who has been uh, considered a bit of a villain in some circles, especially among the Titans uh, fans. Uh, And I'm going for Daly Cherry Evans would be considered the biggest villain of the year. And I think the reason for that is it's got something to do with, uh, well, it's it's about the coveted halfback spot in the Australian Kangaroos lineup. Now, now Tish, in true, um, you know, Dr. T form, I have decided to, you know, the narrative all hangs together with some of my other predictions because I'm predicting, as I said earlier, I'm predicting that Tonga will win the World Cup mm. and that means that Australia won't. And I think part of the reason why we won't is because there will be some selection dramas um, and the selection dramas will revolve around Nathan Cleary not being uh, selected as halfback. There's already been suggestions that that Daily Cherry Evans as the incumbent halfback will have the, uh, the upper hand, so to speak, in terms of being selected. And I think there will be a bit of a battle there Ultimately, Mal Meninga will pick uh, um, Daily Cherry Evans uh, and there will be calls for Queensland bias, which which may seem uh, warranted. And I think uh, and I think in addition to that, we're going to see some of um, uh, some of that villainry come through in the NRL proper. So I think Manly, as much as I'm predicting them making the top eight, I'm also not necessarily predicting them making the top four because I think uh, the I think the daily the burden of having daily Cherry Evans being uh, hated this year um, throughout Origin and through the season proper and then into the World Cup I think will. 
uh, will lead to, you know, poorer performances with the teams that he's involved in. That means Manly, Queensland and Australia. So, look, that's my prediction. I'm not saying, look, I actually pretty much like the guy. I actually don't know what the hate is, why there's so much hate for him. Um, but I can see that, that there, there, are, there are other forces at play that will lead the public to generally turn against him and, uh, and you know, not to the extent of a Wally Lewis kind of scenario, but definitely, and maybe not to the extent of a Cameron Smith, uh, but, but definitely as a, uh, you know, the focal point of New South Wales hatred for orig- from an origin point of view will probably go towards Daly Cherry Evans as an example. So look, Tish, that's my reasoning behind that. But do you agree with that, or do you pick someone else as the NRL biggest NRL villain of the year? Okay. Well, look, I've gone with um, you know a category of players, <laughs> right, as opposed to, <laughs> as opposed to one, because um, I think there's already rumblings actually. Uh, but yeah, the DC scenario that you just mentioned, I think it kind of, uh, I think it is sort of playing itself out, and um, I do feel for him a little bit because I. I feel that sometimes it's more the uh, buzz around him and not necessarily him. You know, um, you know, he is like one of the most highest paid players in the NRL. Um, and, you know, how much of that is on him? Like he just accepted a contract. We all, all would, right? You know, um, you know, now he did backflip. So there was that. So I, I do understand that part. Um, you know, he's been made captain. Um yeah, yeah. So, so I do agree with that. But look, what I think, what I'm going to is, you know, probably ever since I've been watching um, the NRL Rugby League, um, you know, grand final winners they win and they celebrate. They celebrate hard, and you never hear anything about their celebration. But last year, you hear, you heard a few uh, things uh, about the Penrith Young Guns about how they were celebrating um, the victory to the point that. You know, um, and I believe he's actually involved with the club and involved in the coaching squad. But you know, Panthers great Brandy Alexandra actually had uh, actually, you know, you know Greg Alexander. He actually came and said, "Guys, you guys need to pull your head in." <laughs> All right. So I'm going to give it to the Panthers young guns, and I don't necessarily agree that they should be classed as villains. Um, but I just feel that there is a bit of a backlash starting to rumble, um, and th- there have been. Um, there have been a few different incidences here and there that we've seen from this young Panthers outfit. I remember there was a uh, a brawl with the Raiders that um, you know went went to the sideline a little bit. Um, you know, obviously the um, you know the TikTok fiascos with Cleary. Um, you know, there's footage of um, you know of a Jerome Luai. Um, you know, when players are, are completely knocked down. You know, there's footage of him stomping on their head while they're knocked out, which was pretty horrific. Um, and then you hear about all these different sort of, you know, arrogance and stuff like that. So from that point of view, I feel like um, the Panthers, um, you know, not for their on-field heroics and their and their brilliant play, but I think more for some of the things that are happening around the club, they might end up being hated. And, you know, if their season doesn't go as well as what it did last year, I don't think you might see a lot more backlash towards them. So I think the unjustifiably, because to be honest, um, in most movies, I kind of cheer the villain villain on anyway, because usually they have a better cause. But I'm going to say 
that the villains of the NRL this year could end up being the Panthers' young guns. In fact, I predict it. So um, hopefully, um, you know, they can keep their media relations on properly. But if they don't, I feel like they will end up being the villains. And uh, Dr. T, how's things going there on your end? Yeah, not bad. Look, are you uh, are you ready for it? Well, we've done our crystal ball. Yeah. But I think what we need to do, given that the round one is imminent. Yes. Round one of the NRL. We need to end this episode with a let's dust off the crystal ball again and just look only a couple days ahead mm. because we're going to give our tips for round one mm. uh, of the season. And uh, look, it's hard to – we're not going to go into every every single one of them in detail, but I think um, let's just spend a couple of minutes giving our tips. So here we go. First match of the season, Panthers versus Seagulls, defending premiers at Blue Bet Stadium in Penrith mm. on Thursday the 10th. Who is your tip, Tish? I'm, I personally am tipping the Panthers for this one. Yeah, I, I'm tipping the Panthers as well, despite I'm uh, Nathan Cleary not being in the team. Fair enough. Raiders and Sharks are the Friday game at 6 p.m. Um, look, this one, this one is a beauty. Um, it's it's going to be close, but I think I think the Sharks will win this one based on that social media scandal that I was talking about. Yeah, I'm going to give it to the Raiders at home at GIO. Fair enough. Any reason for that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think at home, um, you know, the Sharks, they probably still need a few combination, um, you know, like get used to their combinations, um, whereas I feel the Raiders a bit more settled in terms of their lineups. That's why I'm going to give it to the Raiders. Fair enough. Broncos, Rabbitohs. Look, uh, Rabbitohs are very short-priced favourites and with good reason. I think they will... They will do well, but I. This is where I think the Broncos uh, can turn things around from last year. I think they'll give a good showing. The Broncos. Uh, it won't be as much of a blowout as uh, you would expect. So I think, yeah, the Broncos are there. They're going to surprise us, but I still think the Rabbitohs will win in a tight one. What about you? Yeah, I'll, yeah, Rabbitohs for mine. I don't think the Broncos. Um, I think. Um, I actually think that their halfback is out, right? Adam Reynolds. So I just is, yeah yeah. So uh, I don't I don't see them being able to win this one, unfortunately. All right, Roosters versus Knights, the the Mitchell Pierce Cup. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> look, this one's going to be an interesting one. Uh, I'm going to go for the Knights. Yeah, um, no look, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I think th- I think the. Um, I, I think the Roosters have got something to prove, and I think they're going to start. I think they start pretty strong every season as well. So um, you know they're going to have their best team out there. So I'm going to I'm going to say that it's going to be uh, the Roosters taking out that one. All right, Warriors versus Dragons, and look, this is the the bookies are predicting this will be a close one at Sunshine Coast Stadium on the Sunshine Coast. I think the Dragons will win this one. Uh, to kick off, uh, you know, they need a good start to the season uh, to yeah. build their confidence, and I think this is where it'll start. So, um, and and pretty a strong start as well. I'm predicting. Yeah, look, I'm going to tip the Dragons as well. Um, I think they're going to be very, very strong, and I think the Warriors might struggle this year a, a bit, unfortunately. So, I think the Dragons 
um, you know, are, are going to take this one out. All right. The next one is Tigers versus Storm. Now, look, <laughs> Storm are probably very short price favourites to win this one. I think, uh, look, I, I, I accept what you're saying about the Tigers and Jackson Hastings, but I think I think it's too early to for them to sort of ambush the Storm um, with a surprise win here. So I think the Storm will win this one as expected. You know what, Dr. Zay, I'm going to have to take the Storm as well. Um, the oh, Tigers, no. Yeah, that's how bad it is at the moment. That's how bad the confidence is. But look, I think the Tigers, um, you know, they will play better, but I think they're going to have to start slow this season. Um, plus the Storm, I don't think they've lost a round one game for the last 17 years or something. Um, and I don't <laughs> think that that's going to change this time around. Fair enough. Uh, Eels versus Titans. Uh Look, I personally think this will be a very easy victory for the Eels at home. Combank Stadium now. It's not called Bankwest Stadium. It's uh, changed to another bank, Combank Stadium. So there you go. Um, but, yeah, I think they'll, they'll definitely beat the Titans and they'll do it quite easily. Yeah. Look, I'm really looking forward to this game, seeing the atmosphere. I believe it's going to absolutely electric. Hopefully they can get a big crowd out there. Hopefully the track is dry as well because if it's a dry track – I think both these teams know how to attack and uh, it's going to be great viewing. So I'm going to tip the Eels because I just think daytime football, they're so strong um, and particularly if it's dry and I think they're just going to be on show. So the Eels for mine on a big one. Yeah, and isn't it great to see on social media everyone supporting the Eels? You know, I stand with, you know, the blue and golds. It's really awesome to see. <laughs> so. Poor All dragons. Right, I feel like I feel like everybody's turned on the dragons here. I oh, know it's it's yeah. <laughs> poor dragons. Um, Cowboys versus bulldogs. Um, look, this is for mine. This is close to a wooden spoon level match. <laughs> uh, it's based on my predictions, but I could be wrong. So I I actually think this will be a good game. Mm. Um, it's a Sunday evening game at Queensland Country Bank Stadium, another bank stadium in Townsville. Um, this is a tough one. I think the bookies, again, are kind of evenly split on this, uh, favouring the Cowboys slightly. But I actually think the Bulldogs will start with a victory this year. So Bulldogs against the Cowboys is my prediction. Yeah, look, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I just when I close my eyes and I think about Todd Payton, I think about Trent Barrett, neither of them are smiling. <laughs> right. So this is a, the the loser will uh, probably win our prediction for a coach to be sacked very soon. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And then so look, I just think that um, the only thing that for me that's separating it is that this is in North Queensland, and uh, the Bulldogs have been playing in in like uh, you know they've been playing you know water polo for training while probably the Cowboys oh. <laughs> are yeah. enjoying nice humidity. So I'm going to tip the Cowboys. Just, just from the, just from the seasonal atmosphere in North Queensland, that's the only thing that I can feel that's separating it. So yeah. All right, well done. So look, and those are our tips for round one, and for the season proper. Uh, it's been a good one, Tish. We've we've uh, we can wrap up our crystal balls and put them back until next week when we do our tips for round two. But look. Um, Thank you very much uh, to everyone out there for listening in on our first episode of the year. It's been, uh, look, we're pumped for this year. It's going to be a great year. We've had so much drama in the last 
you know, since we last saw you guys and heard from you guys late last year, we've had, you know, COVID has uh, has exploded in the the Omicron epidemic, uh, mm. the, the variant has exploded in Australia. We've had uh, all sorts of natural disasters and things. We've had floods yeah. uh, affecting the the good people of you know Brisbane, Queensland, Sydney, New New South Wales, all across the eastern seaboard in Australia. We've had major major dramas. As I said, we've had Tonga affected um you know in terms of the natural disasters as well and obviously uh we're you know our hearts go out to everyone out there affected by the ukraine and russia situation at the moment Mm. um so we've got a lot of stuff happening in the world so it's it's really good to 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 look forward to a year of uh, you know something that we enjoy we we're passionate about rugby league uh, it's a good escape from reality, the harsh reality of the world sometimes. Uh, and it's fun to sort of uh, chat about it every week as Tish and I do. So we're glad that you guys are along for the journey with us. And uh, hopefully you have a lot of fun as we do talking about uh, rugby league and just having having a good time and enjoying it for what it is, which is, a, you know, the greatest game of all, of course, as they call it. So look, uh, before we sign off, I do want to say thank you. Be safe, everyone, first of all. But um, thank you once again for listening. Uh, don't forget to catch us uh, on our usual socials. We'll be ramping up our socials this year on Facebook and Twitter. So catch us there. I think you can subscribe to our um, podcast on iTunes, I believe. Uh, if you want to email us with any suggestions, please email us at gmail.com. And uh, what else are we doing? I think that's it in terms of socials. Uh, yeah, our website, you can also get our podcast from our website, rlrepublic.com. Um, Tish, I think that's it for, from me. Uh, I think it's over to you to uh, officially sign us off. Uh, our first episode of 2022 is done and dusted. Over to you, Tish. Well, thank you, Dr. T. And uh, look, yeah, thank you for all those acknowledgements about everything that sort of happened. And, you know, there's one, one, I suppose, final thing that we probably should also mention, um, which is, you know, along with everything that's also happened, we did lose um, quite a, well, a, a few Australian sporting greats. Um, but in terms of rugby league, um, you know, the last of the immortals of the original immortals, John, Johnny Raper, had passed away um, and, you know, obviously condolences to his family. Um, there was a great state funeral as well. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, he was, uh, every, you know, when we grow up, like you know, when people say who was the greatest of them all, a lot of people said John Raper. So, um, yeah, so obviously that that is big and this is, um, but yeah, but we're looking forward to a great rugby league season and always a pleasure with you, Dr. T. And, um, you know, it's going to be a big season, a big year. But unfortunately, that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your host, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.